This week, Thor swaps out his hammer for a keyboard. But the big question is, does punching keys instead of faces create the same amount of thrills? Let's find out if 2015's Black Hat with hunky boy Chris Hemsworth is truly a bomb. I'm Troy Sauer. Brad Anderson. And this is not a bomb. Welcome back to Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the show where we go back and revisit movies that bombed and see if they deserve a second chance. Brad, this is the last film for November, which the whole theme this month was, let's pick out a bunch of movies that have been recommended to us that we had never seen before. And uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of, I, I, I feel like we did a good job this month. I mean, we tackled stuff that, uh, neither we of us tackled some big ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we kind of picked the ones that showed up on everybody's like most famous bomb. I mean, we talked to Ishtar, the postman already. And, um, last week, Kevin's gate. What do we have this week? This was your pick. Yeah. We have Michael Mann's, uh, 2015 hacker thriller, uh, film, um, black hat. Why, why this one? It, was it because it was a chance to talk Michael Mann or yes, Chris Hemsworth? Yes, it was, it was a chance to, yes, this was 100% for us to be able to talk Michael Mann as Michael Mann is one of my favorite directors. Um, and I had also never seen this film. And this was the last film I needed to see um, by Michael Mann to uh, kind of complete his filmography for me. So I have now seen all of Michael Mann's theatrical releases. Okay, so I got to know. If, if you're a huge Michael Mann fan, and I know you are, why didn't you run out and see this one in the theater? Was it just timing with stuff going on or? I will tell you because there's a bunch of other films that came out this month. So. Oh, it was a why. question of what else. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just couldn't yeah. squeeze this in. But I mean, it's, it's been out for a while. Uh, and, and did you own this or did you just go out and buy it for this week's show? You know, I, <clears throat> to be honest with you, Never, there was never really a reason for me to go <clears throat> and uh, see this film or be interested in it at all. I just thought, oh, it's a cyber thriller. We've seen this millions of times. Hey, I bet we go inside a computer a few times. Um, and yes, it's exactly that movie. But um, it does have the Michael Mann flourishes, but I just, I, it's just never talked to me and never really, I don't know. Um, hey, I get it. I, honestly, I, I, because I also heard bad things about it, and because I, I kind of, I uh, keep Michael Mann in such high regard. When you know a film might be bad by one of your favorite directors, you're like, maybe I don't want it to be tarnished. Maybe I, I, I just want to keep keep it out. Keep so if it you out, ignore not, it, it just goes away. Then yeah, yeah, theory. exactly, okay. exactly. Well, so I, I, I owned this, and I went to pull it out, and it had one of those uh, blue box promo stickers on it. And I, I totally remembered that I think it was last Black Friday. So, you know, we're, we're in the pandemic or something of that nature. I, I think I did, you know, venture to Walmart at some point. And you know how they put out 
those cardboard standees and they just throw a bunch of stuff in. Oh them. yeah. And here's $5. Yeah. Or like sometimes they're like $2. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's, that's where I picked it up. I picked it up at like a Walmart black Friday. It had to be last year, the year before, but it's been sitting there for a while. And, uh, I, I keep forgetting this film even exists until I run across it in some format. And I came this close to buying it again because I totally forgot I had it, but I'm like, man, this, this cover looks awfully familiar. So let me go through the the many, many to watch Blu-rays and DVDs. And sure enough, it was sitting there with one of those Walmart Black Friday. Do you going to categorize your movies in like a, with an app? Uh, I do after I watch them. The problem is oh, I have okay. all these. I, I don't know how you do your to watch pile. It's probably not as big it's as mine. It's not as big as yours. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I've got one pile that's yours like. Yours is much bigger than mine. Yeah, I, <laughs> I really want to watch this pile. And I'm like, that that's the one that's closest right to the to the television then you got this other pile that just says okay if i'm not in the mood for those then go to this one and then there's like a third pile which takes up like a corner of the room that just says man i'll get to that when i get to it so it was probably an impulse buy and i thought hey when i'm retired i'll watch it but yeah it was it was in that <laughs> third pile so i i say we get into this because we will usually text or i don't know i at some point i can watch a film and I've talked about this before. There's something in it that will give me an indication of, oh, I think Brad's going to like it or he's not going to like movie. it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. honestly, nothing, man. I got nothing on this. I'm, I'm coming in cold. I don't know where you're going to fall. And I, I actually uh, did a little bit of research. I was surprised how many articles were written about this film when it was released about why it bombed. I mean, there, there's mm -hmm. a lot of literature out there. But typically, we start with you. And we okay. go through like, you know, what it cost to make and how it did and what the critics thought of. So I'm going to turn it over to you, like enlighten us back in 2015, this sucker was coming out and uh, Michael Mann was um, delivering this techno thriller. I think originally it was called cyber cyber. That is correct. Okay. So uh, how, how did this play <laughs> That out? is the most generic name of all time. Yeah. Well, it's better um, than a Michael Mann film, I think, which is what it was called for a while. Or yeah. It was untitled, untitled yeah. Michael Mann film, I think, or whatever. So um, <clears throat> Black Hat comes out wide. I will say it comes out wide uh, January, January 16th, 2015 with a reported budget of 70, $70 million. Um, Box office return total was 19.6. Wow. So that breaks down 8 million domestic, $8 million domestic, and 11.6 million international. I will say there is a, a international cast to this, so it doing well abroad doesn't surprise me, but Michael Mann only grossing $8 million is shocking. Um, opening weekends, it uh, has a total of, $9.3 million. That's good for 10th place. 10th, 10th place. place. Yes. Um, well, I mean, so, that's, so if it's a January release, that either means mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it's a holdover because it's up for an Academy award. So it got limited theatrical release in December. Now it's going wide in January or the studio's dumping it. Or yeah, it's a holdover from a uh, like December or Christmas yeah. releases, things like that. Yeah. Um, the, Films that beat out Black Hat in the theater is number one that weekend was American Sniper. Oh, of which course. We'll hear about that film a lot because yes. that movie cleaned up and essentially is the same audience that would see Black Hat would see American Sniper. And that, that was a big um, surprise, too. I don't think people yes, were expecting yes. 
the the box office return for that yeah one. and then bradley cooper got a lot of buzz and i remember seeing that um opening weekend instead of seeing um black hat um the wedding ringer paddington okay uh taken three which i also saw in the yeah. theater wow selma <laughs> okay the imitation game into the woods the hobbit the Battle of Five Armies and Unbroken all beat Black Hat that weekend. And I saw a lot of those um, in the theater. I saw probably four or five of those films. Well, so. and four, four or five of those are holdovers from the holiday mm-hmm. season, too, which is crazy. Yep. yep. Um, I mean, the the big one is American Sniper. Like, it, like, it's the same audience is going to see that. And that was probably the one of the biggest films of 2015 i know it released as the biggest film in january i think ever released is american sniper i don't know if that still holds now but it was the case when it uh when it was released um if flopping flopping i why why do i keep saying floppiness and flopping and, and all that stuff yeah and full disclosure you're fighting off a cold too so yes <laughs> my, my going, brain is a little foggy yeah, but okay. um if if bombing at the box office wasn't bad enough, uh, critically, Black Hat sits at a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 24% with the audience. Ooh. Um, not great. Not great. Uh, I think it had a cinema score of C minus. C minus cinema score. Um, yes, that is correct. Um, so I mentioned some films that also that beat it out in um, – at the box office, but here are some other films you could have seen January of 2015. So let's go back almost seven years from now, Troy. Okay. And remember things like wild card with, um, Jason Statham, what's this? Jason Statham. Yes. Yeah. Um, we can see things like cop car with Kevin Bacon, uh, the boy next door, with uh jennifer lopez okay true story which is a uh jonah hill uh james franco movie mordecai which johnny depp another bomb i don't want to ever see that movie but i think at some point in time if we do this for 10 years mordecai is gonna (laughs) come up at some point in time yeah Uh, the bronze which is actually a a pretty good movie that's that's really um yeah uh like i said the wedding ringer Paddington, American Sniper, Foxcatcher, which I also saw in the theater, Inherent Vice, which I saw in the theater, um, Taken 3, and that is about it. So for January of 2015, it was pretty stacked. Like you could see a lot of stuff in the theater. Um Well, and and let's put let's put American Sniper in perspective. So it's a 2014 film. It had a very limited theatrical release, like only made, mm-hmm. you know, 300 some odd thousand dollars when it came out. Yeah, it opened, I think, in like four theater. It, you know, it's it did the thing where it released very limited L.A., New York, yep. um, built up a lot of momentum and then opened wide. I want to say it opened wide on the 16th of January. It was the same weekend. Mm-hmm. And to put it in perspective, how much of a behemoth box office hit American Sniper was. In the U.S. alone, I mean, it made about $350 million. Mm-hmm. Internationally, it would go on for... To make another two. Yeah, I mean, it. It it's total worldwide gross is $547 million. Like, yes. half a billion dollars went to... For a rated R film. 
which was a big deal back then. Um, back then we're talking like 2015 was so long ago, but it feels like forever. It, it is. And you know, nobody I think can dispute. And we talked about this when we talked about, you know, the last dirty Harry film, but Clint Eastwood in terms of an actor director, I mean, he is a powerhouse in Hollywood in terms of delivering hits. When you go back and look over his filmography, but even this late stage in his career, I don't think anybody was expecting that to be the zeitgeist it was now the book was pretty popular you mm-hmm. know um the story was popular especially in america at that time but it, it just cannot be said enough how i think on paper if you look at the director and the cast of black hat i think everybody was assuming this was going to be a modest hit in the u.s and at least deliver you know some some good box office returns internationally but I mean, it got to the point where they ended up pulling this thing early and didn't even release it in Australia because it was performing so poorly on the international market. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, legendary who put out this film wrote off $90 million for this. movie. Holy cow. $90 yeah. million. $90 million. When was, uh, didn't about this time they have a Matt Damon film out there that they were kind of targeting with an international market too. What was the, uh, the great that, wall? We bought his, Oh, was that that year? I th- I want to say it was close. I think Legendary, well, yeah, it was 20, The Great Wall is 2016. Yes. So it had, I don't want to say a string of box office flops, but Legendary wasn't doing so hot at that time period in terms of what it was producing. And I think that studio was making a transition to Universal or something at the yeah. same time too. Yeah, to be fair, the Great Wall did much better internationally than uh, than Black Hat did. So. Yes, but it cost it cost a, um, more than two times as much. But um, yeah, I mean that's ninety million dollars is not something you want to have to write off. Trust me. Yeah, and, and this not, is not trust me. Not like I've ever written off ninety million dollars. <laughs> no, I, I'm never going to see ninety million dollars in my <laughs> lifetime. Uh, heck, it's hard to see ninety dollars in this household with our grocery bill. <laughs> I mean. Um, no, but it gives us an excuse to talk about, uh, I think, one of your favorite directors. He's definitely a favorite of mine, Michael Mann. So real quick, just instinctually, like, what's your favorite Michael Mann film? Heat. Heat? Hands down? Heat is one of my, probably in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Okay. All right. Um, do, and so, The Insider is not much further out of that, so... Yeah, I I think it comes down for me to those two, and I would throw Manhunter in there because yes. I love Manhunter. I, Manhunter has this I don't know unique vibe to it that you know for an '80s film, for an '80s serial killer film, it it's just so unique, and I never get tired of watching it. Heat I think is is fantastic. I mean, it it is a crime epic. And I just watched The Insider this weekend because we were t- okay. Yeah, I know you said that you hadn't seen it. So. I hadn't seen it, but um, we had been, you know, doing the whole Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas holiday decorating. You know, Angel was in town, and I, at the end of the day, it was like, okay, I need to watch something. Brad has gone on and on about The Insider, and I got to tell you, that's I, I'm kind of with you. If if we're talking about like the top three films, it would be hard for me to put a number one between those three. I almost think it's it's like an even split depending on what mood you're in. Um, I really like Collateral too. I'm not gonna lie. I think Collateral is also 
brilliant. Um, and yeah. I think people sleep on Miami Vice, and I think Miami Vice is really good too. I like. Miami I wouldn't put Vice it too. in my. I wouldn't put it in his top three, but I, I think he's got. Um, yeah, if you if you put out Manhunter, The Insider, we can't say not mention Last Mohicans in Heat. I mean, that's a filmography right there. Anybody who is a filmmaker would die to have one of those films. He's got four of them. Well, in um, Thief from eighty one, with yeah, James Thief, Conn. Yes, yeah. exactly. So. Um, yeah, he yeah. Has, he has an interesting, so he's, he's been nominated for four Oscars as a producer on the aviator from 2004. And then the insider, when it came out in 1999, he was nominated for best picture. Cause he was a producer on that best director and best writing based on material previously published. So I think the Academy kind of sees the insider as his, you know, pinnacle in terms of artistic output. He started mm -hmm. doing a couple of shorts as a director from 68 to 72. And I think most people will, I possibly for my age group, I don't know about you, but for my age group, we would have discovered him through television. So he had done TV shows like Police Woman, did an, directed an episode of that, uh, did a TV movie in 79 called The Jericho Mile. He actually won an Emmy for writing that film Thief in 1981, The Keep in 1983, which is sort of a supernatural horror film. Mm -hmm. But he really got some notoriety and fame when he was the executive producer for Miami Vice, and he started that you know television series in 1984. That's where I know Michael Mann from. Um, then he does Manhunter in 86, a, a TV series that I, I really need to go and visit because everybody talks about it. Have you ever seen Crime Story? Crime Story, yes. Is Crime it good? Story is great, yes. Okay, yeah, I need to do that one. And then he did a TV movie, L.A. Takedown in 89, which ends up uh, being remade by him and turns into Heat. You mentioned Last of the Mohicans in 92. Heat comes out in 95, Insider in 99. Ali and uh, Muhammad Ali film, the biography in 2001. Mm -hmm. Yep. Collateral in 2004, Miami Vice in 2006. Public Enemies in 2009, works on another TV show, Luck. And then Black Cat is the last thing he directed. Now, he's got some things. I think he's working on a couple of other biopics, um, a Ferrari uh, biopic mm -hmm. or something like that. Enzo Ferrari, I think, is the biopic. Yep. Yep. So he's got some stuff in the – but, you, you know, it's weird. I look at the filmography, and there's a some great films in there. But I, I, there's some stinkers, too. Like the keep, like the keep. <laughs> yes. Um, and I would also say public enemies in 2009. Public I, enemies should have been way better than it was. I will hundred percent agree with you. I like it because it's like a mobster movie, but it is not a great movie at all. And yeah. I, I would, if someone said, I don't like uh, public enemies, I would say, yep, that's right. If someone says I like public enemies, I'd say, yeah, you're right. Um, I could go either way on it. Um, it's just for the cast and who's involved. It should have been way better. It should have been. Um, it should have been a mobster epic classic classic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and collateral. I, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. I think Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, they, they, they had a great dynamic in that film and that movie doesn't mm -hmm. get enough praise. And I would say the same thing with Miami vice. I think not Miami vice is flawed, mm -hmm. but there is so much to love in that film. And I, I got to be honest, I think Miami Vice is might be the start of where you start to see the cracks 
in his filmmaking because while I like Miami Vice, I can start to see the things seep in that uh, ended up in Public Enemies that I just wasn't a fan of. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we talk about the film tonight, Black Hat. So the other thing to mention is the writer, Morgan Davis. I'm going to pronounce his name, Fail. He has only done one screenplay so far. It's Black Hat. He has a bunch of stuff in production, like Enemy of the State, and I guess he's working on The Asset, which is another in-development screenplay, and Mass Effect, a screenplay based on the video game series. Is that for Amazon Prime, or is I, that like a video game? I think it's Prime? for Amazon Prime. He's doing the screenplay okay. for it. Now, I thought this was interesting. He actually was an assistant editor before turning his talents to screenplay, and he worked on films like I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry and Click. Yikes. Yeah, so he had some Adam Sandler Ooh, experience. He's part there. of the Adam Sandler uh, posse there. He is. Um, he's the Happy Madison guy. Good for him. He got paid, but boy. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's important, in my opinion, when we kind of talk about Black Hat, is that um, this will come up. He's done one screenplay. And Michael Mann, I think, contributed to the story. Mm-hmm. And there was some behind the scenes, I think, uh, disagreements on the screenplay credit, but eventually through arbitration and everything else, uh, Morgan is the only one that gets credited for this. Yeah. And I think Michael Mann had heard of something that happened in real life and basically had that idea and this guy wrote it essentially. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's pretty much how it went. Um, cinematography or director of photography is Stuart Dryborough. Um, he worked on the great wall, which we just talked about the piano secret life of MIDI. He's got a pretty good versatile resume of blockbuster hits, but also, um, some prestigious films you could say. And we're going to talk about the look of the film too. Cause one thing to keep in mind is this is the first film that Michael Mann shot all digitally. Now, there are majority of other films, like Miami Vice is a a great example. Miami Vice has a lot of footage that was shot digitally, but there's also a lot of 35 millimeter footage in that too. So it wasn't a complete digital film. Yeah, Collateral's the same way. Yeah, Collateral's the same way. This is the first fully digital photographed film, okay? Yes. So let's talk about the people in front of the camera. Uh, You know, I, I think we talked about this before. Are you a Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth? Which, which way do you fall? Uh, Chris Evans. But I don't have anything against Hemsworth at all. There's okay. too many Hemsworth brothers. We could get rid of a few of them, but uh, I don't have a problem with Chris at all. Okay, but Hemsworth. if you're if you're picking, mm-hmm. then you're yeah, going to pick gonna Chris Evans. Yeah, if I'm going to be on Evans. a deserted island with one of them, it's uh, Chris Evans 100 out of 100 times. Oh, me too. I, I don't yeah. know. My wife will pick Chris Hemsworth all day. I keep calling him Hemsworth. Hemsworth. And, I, and she doesn't like Chris Evans. I don't get it, man. I mean, if you're if you're actually having a hunky boy battle, I think Chris Evans wins every time. That's what I think. Yes. Okay. Well, I wouldn't sleep on Chris Pine either. Like I'm, you know. Yeah, but it's I mean, all about we, we Chris could all Evans. Agree. It's not Chris Pratt. So it's not it's, Chris it's, Pratt. It's, it's yeah. but I think in the Chris rankings, Chris Evans is number one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, let's talk about Chris Hemsworth as Nick Hathaway. He. Um, Man, 2011, he just came onto the scene like swinging, right? So, well, he had that small part in. Starship. I remember seeing 
Star Trek yeah. and everyone talking about that very, you know, the first part of Star Trek and being like, who's this guy? And then you wait two years later and then here comes Thor and you're like, boom. Yeah. Thor. So bit part in Star Trek, which he'll, I guess, reprise in 2013 again. But it's really 2011 that he just shows up on the scene. He has two films that are pretty fantastic. Thor from 2011 and The Cabin in the Woods from 2011. Love Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Love it. So good. <laughs> Follows that up with The Avengers in 2012. Snow White and the Huntsman the same year in 2012. Uh, here's a stinker. Red Dawn in 2012. Yeah, all these films come out. And I think Red Dawn was filmed uh, much earlier. Yes, because they had to go back. Remember, they had to take all the Chinese stuff out. Oh, of it and they had to switch it. Koreans. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yep. Yep. Then going into 2013, he has the Star Trek Into Darkness, Rush, Thor the Dark World. Sits out a couple of years. So Rush is actually a really good movie. It I is. like Rush a lot. Yes, it is. Um, I will also go on record and say there is a lot to like about Thor the Dark World. Um, I don't think it's a total stinker there, but I thinks it is. I, I like it way better than the first one. Um, and I like it more than some other of the uh, MCU films quite a bit. I'm I, with I you. don't, I'm with you. I don't get the hate for that movie. I've watched it a few times with Max and, it's totally it's watchable. I think like it's, it's fun. It's a seven out of well, maybe it's a six point five out of ten, but yeah. it's still a good movie. I wouldn't say it's great. It's good. Yeah, I, he's a guy that, especially in the I don't know twenty eleven to twenty seventeen, I think he he did a great job of capitalizing on his movie stardom mm -hmm. because he's working with some just class directors. Uh, Michael Mann with Black Hat. He follows that up with Age of Ultron, um, Vacation in 2015, In the Heart of the Sea in 2015. With Ron Howard. Yeah, he's cranking out like three or four films per year. Then Huntsman Winter's War in 2016. Does Ghostbusters in 2016, which, I mean, he's the best thing about that film, in my opinion. I don't exactly care for that movie very much. I don't, I don't think it's very funny. But when I do laugh, I'm usually laughing because of the scenes he's in. Yeah, yeah. I think he's and actually great. he was really funny in vacation too. Yeah, and uh Thor Ragnarok in twenty seven, which it, it I would have never so this whole thing about you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson buying the rights for Big Trouble in Little China or doing a remake, there is no way that The Rock could ever pull off a Jack Burton persona. However, I'll say this about Chris Hemsworth after watching Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm he would make a great reinterpretation of the Jack Burton character. If you were going to actually try or attempt a Big Trouble in Little China remake, I actually think Chris Hemsworth would be a good choice for that role simply because of how he plays Thor in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. The whole thing about Jack Burton is he's not that hunky, you know? He's still got a, you know... Oh, Kurt Russell is hunky. Russell's Kurt yes, Russell's but hunky. he wasn't like he wasn't like I am made out of stone. Look at me, I am literally a god. No, no, no um, I know he'd have he'd have to eat a few Twinkies and yeah, uh, he, add a yeah. few pounds, get but that mullet. But his I, comedic timing and his comedic chops are on point to somewhere like that. Like I, I think he is funnier than The Rock. Um, side note. Yeah. Did you see that Red Notice is the biggest Netflix film of all time? Yeah. And this is why we can't have nice things yeah. in America. Yep. yep. Uh, that is ridiculous. That movie is terrible. Yep. Terrible. 
I mean, I, I read a comment and I thought this was perfect. We, you get to the point where in an advertising because of algorithms and everything else that are on the web, you know, the, the internet is always pushing in front of you. Well, they're, they're always pushing in front of you things that you need to buy. So it's really the computers and the algorithms that have taken over marketing at this point. And somebody made the comment that those algorithms have gotten into the Netflix or those studios and are now writing screenplays because red notice is 100% just written by some, I don't know, algorithm. Did you see, did you see death jam legacy? What? No. Or space jam. Space Space jam. Jam? Yeah. Okay. No, I, that's the whole, that's the whole thing about that movie is, uh, Don Cheadle is algae rhythm. He's the algorithm and essentially creates. So he wrote red notice. Yeah. But basically. All right. No, I, so the question that when you look at Chris Hemsworth and the products that he was putting out around this time period of 2015, he was kind of a big deal in a lot of these ensemble pieces, but even in these films like Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, he had Charlize Theron mm-hmm. as well. Yes. So yep. it, Black He's never, this is his first like leading movie. I am the guy. Yeah. Put me on the box. Movie poster is me. So does it make sense to you of why it bombed then? Maybe America or the world wasn't a Chris Hemsworth fan at the time. Um, it's hard to say. Um, do I buy Chris Hemsworth as a hacker? No, but yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know if I agree that he's not a leading man, but maybe he isn't. Cause I don't, I think we literally have like five actors who are leading men in Hollywood. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, it, I don't know. I just, I look at all of the films leading up to black hat and even the ones that kind of come after that. And he's always a part of a great ensemble piece. Yeah. I mean, guess what? Matt Damon isn't a leading man anymore. Like, yeah. he's not. Yep. Well, let's talk about somebody who just knocks it out of the ballpark in everything she's in. And that's Viola Davis. Uh, she plays the Carol I Barrett. Thousand percent agree. I yes. love Viola Davis. Everything she's in. So uh, I think most people will recognize her from the Suicide Squad movies, right? As Amanda Waller. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, and and I would say, look, if you if you want a taste of how good she is, uh, one of the most recent films that I absolutely loved was 2018 Widows. Widows. Yes, fantastic yes. film. She's amazing yes. in it. But this is this is how good she is. So Oscar nominations in The Help, Doubt, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So that's from this year, right? Oscar winner for Fences in 2016 for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Emmy Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Drama Series in How to Get Away with Murder. And that made her the first black woman in history to take home the award. Yep. I I will say my wife absolutely loves How to Get Away with Murder. And so I'll be walking through the living room or something and, and see Viola Davis on TV. And I'm just like, you just automatically stop and just watch the scene with her. And you're just like, holy shit. Like, She's so, so good. good. I know. It's ridiculous. It <laughs> Everything ridiculous. she does is fantastic. Yes. I mean, she, oh, goodness. Uh, I, I think in hindsight, I, I think we recognize now how good she is. But I think it's even going to be more prevalent um, in, in days gone by when you go back and look at her filmography and look at the stuff that she's done and recognize how important of an actress she is. Um, yep. but she's yeah. really good in prisoners. Yes. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I love prisoners. God, so mm. good. So moving on, we got Tang Wei as Chen Lian. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with these um, Chinese actors and actresses. So uh, Tang Wei was in Lust, Caus- Lust Caution from 2007. It's an Ang Lee film was also in Dragon, a Donnie Yen film in 2011. Have you seen Dragon? I have seen Dragon, yes. Okay, yeah, so for every anybody who hasn't seen Dragon, think of uh, History of Violence, but done in sort of an old school martial arts way. That's Dragon, it's a fantastic film. And she was also in a film, I don't know if you've seen this one, it actually played in Baltimore at the Parkway, Long Day's Journey in Tonight from 2018. And what's significant about that film, it was a kind of an independent Chinese film that actually did a lot of box office business. But the last 30 minutes is one continuous shot, and it was shot in 3D. So it is a very art house film, and it is for a very select group of (laughs) moviegoers. I happen to love it, but it's not one I would run out. Like, I, I would probably recommend it to you. But I don't know if I just recommend it to everybody. But if you're adventurous and you want to see some sort of classic art house Chinese film, you know, take take the chance and watch Long Day's Journey in Tonight. And that last shot's pretty impressive too. Uh, Lee Hong Wang as Chen Dawai, he was in China Strike Force in 2000. His career started early in a lot of action films, and uh, he was in China Strike Force from 2000, which happened to star Coolio and Mark Dacascus. Uh, I think that one was directed by Stanley Tong. It's it's an okay film. It's fun. He also did Avenging Fist in 2001, and he was also in Lust Caution from 2007, the Ang Lee film. Another person in here, and I don't, I, this is an actor that I know has been around for a while, but I'm just starting to recognize him when he shows up, and, and I'm kind of a fan, but it's Holt, uh, I'm gonna, I butcher this. Is it, is it an Irish last name? McCollany? Yeah, I think so. Okay. He plays Mark Jessup, but I, when I go back and look at his filmography, I'm like, Oh, he's in all these movies, but I first kind of recognized him or took notice of him with, uh, the Netflix series, Mindhunter from 2017, 2019. He's fantastic in that. And did you happen to catch uh, wrath of man from this year with Jason Statham? I have not seen wrath of man yet. I I do want to see it. Oh, he's in that. And he's fantastic as well. So he's a, he's a new, he's not, how do you say this? He's, He's been around the block and he's been in a lot of stuff, but he's somebody I'm now like on the lookout for. Cause I really, I, I think people are giving him more stuff to do and I like what he's bringing to the table. Yeah. Cause like I was looking at his, his filmography and like he was in, he had a really small part, but he was in like fight club. Yeah. The losers and all these films. And I'm like, who yeah, was like, he in those? Alien so. three. You're yeah. like, Oh, he's been, but yeah, he's, he's become more and more in front of the camera. Probably the last, I don't know. 10 years, but yeah, Mindhunter was probably the thing people were like, Oh, that guy's really good, man. I, I hope they keep that series going. I know. I know there's, there's Doesn't, always this little shred of hope, but I don't know what's going to happen, man. Uh, there's, <laughs> so there's another person I want to talk about, uh, two more actually Andy own as Alex train. Are you an Andy own fan? Yeah. Yeah. You are. I'm trying to think. All right, go ahead. Go. You go. Okay, so here's my thing with him. He was in the Black Mass sequel, Black Mass 2, and that movie's terrible. And I don't think Andy On's a very good actor. I think what he can do physically is pretty impressive, and some of the action okay. movies he's been in, 
Yes. But I, I just, I don't think he's very memorable. And I actually think a lot of times with Andy on kind of shows up, you're begging for the kiss of death in your film. Um, cause he can be that bad. So in doses in a very supporting role, he's pretty good. And I, I think as long as he doesn't open his mouth, he's all right. <laughs> so, uh, but he, he's in new police story, the Jackie Chan film from 2004, which I love that film. He actually has one of the best fight sequences with Jackie in this um, Lego uh, store, and and it's a lot of fun. So from a physicality standpoint, the guy can perform like crazy. He also had worked with Sammo Hung in 2005's Dragon Heat, which is pretty decent, you know, action mm-hmm. uh, cop film. He worked in a Johnny Toe film, Mad Detective from 2007, which is good. He's also worked with Donnie Yen on Special ID 2013. Again, he's not the strong part of that film. Donnie's really good in it. He's worked with Nicolas Cage in Outcast in 2014. Uh, Boy, that's a bad movie. Yeah, well, and then he also did a film. It was called Undercover versus Undercover, but most people will know it today as Undercover. As this title's dumb. Undercover Punch and Gun. So it came out in 2019. So Well Go USA, bought the rights to it, released it like that. That movie's kind of terrible. Um, there's a couple of good sequences, but again... Andy Owen is not good. I, I feel like the more he has to speak uh, within a role that he's in, it's it's not turning out good for anybody um, in the film. Yeah, I wasn't going to say, but I kind of like him in this movie. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, uh, luckily he died. He did die, yes. <laughs> so Spoiler we didn't alert. have to put up with him too much. Yep. Um, lastly... I, there's two villains in this film, but the one that you see the most is Richie Coster as Eli Kayser. And and the only thing we need to talk about is he, he was in a Jackie Chan film, the tuxedo from 2002. I feel like everybody has been in the tuxedo in some mm-hmm. way, shape or form. He was the uh, guy. He was in dark night. Yeah. People he was in the dark night. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. bad. He was a baddie there. Uh, production and development. So you kind of touched on this. The film's plot was inspired by the Stuxnext case. So that was a computer worm designed to attack industrial programmable logic controllers. We're getting real nerdy here. Mm-hmm. It was discovered in 2010. Stuxnet ruined almost one-fifth of Iran's nuclear facilities, and its origin couldn't be officially identified. So the premise or you know, the inception of black hat really came out of this news story and true to Michael Mann form. He went out and hired a bunch of experts and primarily for this film hackers served as onset consultants during filming man brought in several technical advisors and consultants like former hackers, Kevin Polson, who's the senior editor for wired news and Christopher McKinley to make the film as authentic as possible. McKinley. And, and we, we oh. should say, Man does that for all of his movies. Everything, he, yes. He literally talked like bank robbers and and got all the stuff from people who actually do this stuff. So yeah. this is par for the course for Michael Mann. And and Heat's a great example where they're you know the most famous shootout in the downtown area. That is so technically correct. That sequence is shown in a lot of training facilities because everybody's like, look, if you want to see a film that does it correctly. And how you would handle that situation. Like it, it's on display in heat. Um, and real quick, Christopher McKinley, who's one of the hackers he hired on, was famous for hacking the online dating site OKCupid 
in order to make his profile the most attractive to women. I mean, if you've got <laughs> hacking skills, yeah, that's yeah. how you use them, right? Uh, Director Mann also met with Mike Rogers, who was chairman of the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence until 2015. Parisa Tabriz, who manages Google's information security engineering team, said that Black Hat is the most accurate information security film I've ever seen. So <laughs> that's how authentic it's got that going for it. The film is right. We already talked about this first Michael Mann film to be shot entirely in a digital format, and you talked about this last week when we were talking about this film. Apparently, so he had been editing this thing all the way up to release, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's trying to get this out the door. And even after it was released, he continued to work on the film way past the January uh, deadline. And Michael Mann premiered a re-edited 136-minute director's cut of the film at the Brooklyn Academy of Music on February 20th, 2016. And I believe this is the version that you said played on television a couple of times, right? Yeah, DirecTV only, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so there's two films that apparently, you know, Michael Mann fans uh, like yourself, because I know you're in the fan club. They are screaming for like two director's cuts. It's this one. And I believe The Keep is the other one that everybody really. I don't know if I'm screaming for more of The Keep. You're not screaming for more of The Keep. No, I would like to see the director's cut of this one, but The Keep, not so much. Okay. So that's all the people behind the camera, front of the camera, how this thing, you know, performed from a box office perspective. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm going to start here. So there's an (laughs) article from deadline and it was titled legendaries, Michael Mann pick black hat. What the hell happened? So it was written by Anthony D'Alessandro January 20th, 2015, right? Published at 10, 10 a.m. So he asked some questions uh, and makes some statements in here. And I, I kind of want to start here from a discussion point before we get your opinion. So was Black Hat too complex to properly market in this ADD rapid fire messaging that defines the challenge of hooking youthful moviegoers to turn up on a Friday night? That's the first question he asked. Which is a logical question because if you think about movies today, they're really geared for a very specific younger audience. And movies that may go for more of an adult audience, they're few and far between. And uh, when they go out there, it's more about not so much the opening weekend, but does it have legs or longevity, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so it's not just marketing, but you also have, have to have good word of mouth on that film too. So the first question that Anthony asks is that one. The second one, did Universal and Legendary air opening Black Hat in a crowded Martin Luther King weekend holiday that had action films Sniper and the returning Taken 3, as well as previously platformed Oscar nominees broadening and competing for the same adult audience dollar? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yes, yes. This is probably DOA if you look at it like that. Yes. And so he goes on to make a couple of statements and says, despite its sinister connotations, hacking as a sales tool is nerdy and unappealing, which mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Even though in man's hands and with a script by Morgan Davis fail, you are made to understand it far more than you did time travel in Interstellar. I would agree with that. 
No one I've talked to could figure out an innovative way to make that seem sexy and to convey the high stakes and sophistication of the manhunt. So he he thinks that it's too nerdy and making a hacking film, you, you just can't make it sexy and sleek, right? Or sophisticated. There were rumors of turbulence behind the scenes as the director whipped the picture into shape. So Michael Mann had total control and was even, you know, there, there's stories about him editing the music and um, trying yes. to get final yeah, credit. And, and obviously yeah. he's tinkering this thing even after it's released. Uh, he goes on to say, there's also sure to be debate over whether Hemsworth can rise to the level where his presence in a movie puts butts in seats. He hasn't shown it yet outside of swinging a hammer in Thor and Avenger movie for Marvel. That's accurate. If you look yeah. at, okay. So far you've said nothing that I don't disagree with. Okay. The film wasn't helped by a marketing campaign that failed to convey a sophisticated plot and a romance, which I don't know if you saw the trailer, the trailers. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, this was originally called cyber. We talked about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Cyber. And in, in the last excerpt I was going to read here is black hat instead chased a young audience with action footage that did not seem fresh, which I think the trailer, I, yeah. I would agree hundred percent. So uh, the whole proposition of this article from deadline is if, if you do a post postmortem review on this release, it makes total sense that this thing was going to bomb right out of the gate. Uh-huh. Chris Hemsworth is leading actors in question rumors. And, and we we've talked about this 70 plus shows. Now, anytime you start to hear these rumors coming out, then Critics will sometimes jump on that more so than the content in the film. I mean, that was obvious for movies like Ishtar and Postman and everything else, right? Heaven's Heaven's Gate, Gate, clearly, right? Uh, But, man, the marketing and, you know, them having to compete with the same audience as American Sniper, Taken 3, the Oscar-nominated films. I mean, this thing should not have been released when it was released. I think that's obvious, too. Yeah, I mean... You're the studio. You have a Michael Mann film. There's a little hubris behind that too, though. You're like, we're releasing a Michael Mann film. Yeah. Well, surely it's going to do well. You, you think so? You, you think his name still carried weight in 2015 with the general audience? There's always or population? that thought, like this is going to be the one that like bounces back. This is the bounce back one. I mean, Miami uh, Vice public and enemies, Public Enemies. Yeah, Public Enemies. You know, was. You know, we're this one's going to be the one that comes back. We've got Thor in it this time. Trust me, it's gonna it's gonna bounce. We're gonna this one's going to be the one. Okay, I can hear those conversations going on right now. All right. Well, um, it makes total sense then if we get our Sherlock Holmes headgear. Yeah, you don't even need to. Yeah, you don't it, even need to Bruce Wayne this one very much to investigate that this thing was not going to work as soon as they released it on January sixteenth, two thousand fifteen. With all those factors involved. Yep. So not going to make money. So now the question, is it, okay, take all that stuff away and look at it without the context of anything being released, but just sort of enjoying it as a film. What, what did you think of black hat? Um, initially I thought, and I still think in that, that article kind of touched on it. I don't know if you can make a good hacking movie. It's just, not interesting and to show to go inside of a computer and show uh, server racks and using USBs and sticking things in computer ports and all that stuff. No one wants to like, like that just is not that exciting, right? Like at the very end of it, 
Like there's a part of this movie where someone gets, you know, there's a fishing scheme in this movie and like, that's what it is. This is like your, your IT manager's worst nightmare. Yeah, um, click on I, this email and all of a sudden yes, yeah. you've destroyed a country. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, we go, I go through that training every year. Don't <laughs> yeah, click on too, PDFs that you don't know who come from. You know what? Um, I should, I should be exempted from any future training for 2022 yeah, because I, I saw black hat. I agree. Yeah. Okay. And now he released black, he did black widow. Um, yep. anyway, um, I, I'm really torn on this one because I think the overall story of this movie is okay. And I think the performance in this movie are pretty good. Um, I, I, you know, I was just waiting for someone to make out with Chris Hemsworth. Cause you're like, okay, how long can a female be around Chris Hemsworth <laughs> before they start making out or and take his shirt what? off? It, yeah. You're waiting for his shirt. Yeah, l- yeah. Locking lips and his shirt's got to come off. Yeah. It's Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but some of the stuff that just happens in this movie is, is it's just kind of boring. Um, but I was intrigued with the story. Like I wanted to go and figure this out. Um, there are some things that happen in this movie that are shocking. Um, there's a car explosion that totally caught me off guard. Are you serious? Um, well, I knew it was going to happen. But Are when you it serious did, that it totally yeah, it, caught it, you off guard? It, it did. It Are got you, me. Oh, my goodness. It got me. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I didn't expect Viola Davis to get killed in this movie. I didn't expect Holt to get killed in this movie. Um, you act like you've never seen a Michael Mann film before. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> they're, they're all like that. I mean, people die. Yeah. Um, the guns are real loud. Hey, guess what? The guns in a Michael Mann film are really loud. Yeah, they are. Um, I... I you know, I don't think, again, I just don't know how interesting you can make a hacking movie. And I think this might be one of the better ones. Um, but I just, I, I don't know if that's sort of, think of something like, you know, The Net and Hackers and all these movies that are about hacking. And you're just like, what about eh. War Games? Oh, yeah. And War Games, still not a great movie. Not really? a great movie. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's okay, but you're just like at the end of the day, you're watching someone type on a keyboard, and that's just not that exciting. Um, do I buy Chris Hemsworth with four percent body fat as a hacker? I'm like, no, no, you're you're either a good hacker or you have abs. I don't think you have both. So um, I just I want to digress here for a second. I, I don't know if you if you remember the days of being in the office and working with people, yes, right? Yes, the IT remote. people. Okay. Yes. So there was a guy I worked with, um, and he was a walking version of Chris Hemsworth. I mean, like 2% body fat, ate seven meals a day. He's super smart. I mean, he, you would, if you had a conversation with him, you go, oh, this guy just lives in a gym. But when you see him in a work environment and kind of look at his analytical skills and everything else, I, I, he was one of my favorite people to work with, but this guy had muscle on top of muscle on top of muscle. And every time I would be in my office and then he's outside my office and, um, he would type, it would, it was just a banging on keyboards. Like this guy, <laughs> I've, I, he was crushing. And if you I'm went, imagining like Arnold Schwarzenegger typing, it was, I, I mean, if, okay. if Arnold Schwarzenegger was sitting outside your office and you hear, 
that's him typing. You're like, is somebody knocking on something? No, no, no. He's hitting keyboards. And I swear his keyboard just kind of looked beveled a little bit. <laughs> and obviously <laughs> they were worn because he was punching keys with authority. So every, when I was watching this film and uh, I, I'm watching Chris Hemsworth just, you know, intently type away at, at, during the dramatic scenes, all I had was this guy in my head. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching this guy outside of my office work on the keyboard. Um, and I'll call him B. Uh, he, he, he was way smarter than Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Brad, that's it, it, OK. You can okay, tell call me, him Brad. Um, <laughs> but he, yeah, it just it cracked me up because every time I'm watching Chris Hemsworth type, I'm like, oh, it's B typing. And he sounds just like I mean, I don't know. At some point you get so many muscles, you can't type correctly. Or when you're typing, you're going to go through like four or five keyboards in a year. Uh, anyways, I just thought it was funny. That was every oh, time yeah. I see Chris Hemsworth, you know, typing. I'm like, oh, so IT people can hackers can be ripped is what you're trying to say. I oh, they it. can. I, I mean, they can. I'm sure B was hacking, you know, things. I know he wasn't, but he was at the gym because I mean, the guy by <laughs> you get up at 3 a.m. and then work out, uh, make a stop at the grocery store, go home. And then by the time, you know, I'd see him at eight o'clock. He'd already had two or three meals, and by ten o'clock, he's eating <laughs> you know first lunch of spaghetti and chicken and broccoli and yeah, all that yeah. But yeah, the the um, the big hunky guys they they're they can be analytical and but man, no, they're yeah, typing yes, their typing's loud. That's where this <laughs> this whole story was just to demonstrate that hunky guys at at a keyboard they're very loud. I'm sorry, go on. No, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're there's just a lot of technical stuff going on in this movie. With again, at, at some point in time, we're talking about server racks and remote access tools and all this stuff. It gets very technical. Mm -hmm. And I just imagine someone who has no frame of reference for any of this. Like, I have some sort of because IT risk is like a big thing, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it's, um, and so like I have a frame of reference for a lot of this stuff. So I, I get some of this stuff, maybe surface level, but I, I get it. Um, and just imagining someone who has no idea about any of this stuff, like, could they follow along and do they, do they even care? Um, and is, does the story, is the story good enough to kind of drag them along? Um, well, it could work the it, other way too, because you and I are close to it because this is our world, right? Mm -hmm, yep. we, we work in cybersecurity risk and everything else. Yes. I, I mean, when when he's fishing with an email in my head, I'm like, don't click that link. Yeah. Right? Don't click that link. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. I was like, Oh, you clicked it. Well, yeah. All, all these things are like, Oh, he's going to put that USB drive in that thing. Yep. And he's, he's in right. He nope. shouldn't yep. have done that. But do you, so with somebody without that knowledge, you don't think they would find it fascinating. Whereas somebody with that knowledge might find it boring. Do you think it works the other way? It could, it could. I, I was just, one of the great things about Michael Mann and, and one of his, his downfalls is just how obsessive he gets with how things work Yeah, and how they he just, just every minute detail. And you're like, dude, no one outside of this <laughs> small group of people is even going to know. But I love that about him because when it works, it works. But when you're talking about, you know, when we say, a rat a hundred times. You're like, okay, we, we get it. Got we it. Remote it. access um, tool. Understand. Yeah, yes. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I, again, I'm just so torn with this because I think this isn't a bad movie. Um, it just, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. 
right? We get to a location. We're hurry, hurry, hurry. We got to get here. We got to get here. And then we kind of put all of our stuff down and we get on our computers and we're logging on and we're clickety clacking away. And then we sit for a little while and then, oh, we found something. We, now we got to go. And then they hurry up and go. And then they get somewhere else and then they clickety clack away a little bit. And then we get somewhere and then, oh, now we're going to have a shootout for a while. And you're like, okay, this is cool. And then you're like, how did Chris Hemsworth become so good with a gun? Like he's a hacker, but prison, now he can shoot prison people. taught him everything, man. Yeah, I guess prison so. Hardened I guess him. so. Um, He's doing his time, so, not prison time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, dude, I, 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 Michael, did I mention that Michael May is one of my favorite directors? Because I, I, you did. I, I feel like this you're one's really hard because you're really trying to stick I, up for him right now. I am, but this one, it's fine. It is a fine movie, but I can definitely see a hundred percent why people would be like, no, this is not for me. This is no, no way. And then one of my notes was like, is Chris, is Chris Hemsworth a leading man? And I'm like, I don't know if, if it is like, if you put Chris Evans in this movie, does it make more money? Well, Chris Evans makes every movie better. That's well, the, that's a, that's a stupid analogy because you put Chris Evans in it. Yeah. It's going to make hundred million dollars. It's Chris <laughs> Evans. Pick another. Actor. I, I'm just, you put, so I was thinking like <clears throat> if if this is a Matt Damon movie. Oh, that's a Matt good comparison. Damon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is Matt Damon um I think it does better and I think it's more believable that Matt Damon is a hacker that has been put away for some time. Um now he doesn't go to college with the guy and he doesn't get with the girl, but I think it's more believable that way. Um a guy who's a little bit seems to be a little bit have a little bit more knowledge, but um, I get why they picked Chris Hemsworth in 2015. I just don't, you know, sometimes you, you bank on someone becoming a big star cause they're in these movies. And you're like, Oh, for sure. Like he's in the MCU. Yeah. He's going to be huge, but you take him out of that equation and it just, it doesn't add up to be a leading man. Like, like well, I said before, there's like five leading actors in a movie. Like it, it is losing all, him the- all the time. Like I'm just saying Matt Damon was in a movie that was one of the biggest flops of all time. Yeah. No, I, so. I mostly agree with you, but I'm going to take a hard left. Right. So a, a movie about hacking, you're spot on, right. Or just sitting in front of a computer, I think is going to be a tough sell. So mm-hmm. Hollywood's tried it. They don't do a lot of them. And unfortunately give it about five or 10 years and it's super dated like Sandra Bullock's the net, right? It's almost comical. Um, you're going to have to rely on it. And even this one, like they don't talk about the cloud or anything. It's like everything's in the cloud now. So like, even now this is so dated that like, yeah. Well, but so if you, if you go into this type of film, in my opinion, you're going to have to have a really good script and really good performances to make it interesting. Not much you can do visually because people are sitting in front of a computer. Now man tries, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. So I think for this type of film, it really comes down to the, to the story and performances. Those are the two things that have to keep you going, especially for a two hour plus film. And this one's, this one's a long one. 213, 213. Yeah. And it's those two elements where this movie really suffers, in my opinion, is the story and the performances. So I, I think you're spot on. Like um, Chris Hemsworth is, is an issue. So let's, let's talk performances. We'll start there. 
I think Hemsworth in this film looks like he's trying to figure out acting. Like he's he's really struggling with I think he's a little bit better than that, but not a whole lot. He's I think he's way out of his element in this movie. Yeah, see, and I, I will point specifically to his computer face. It's so intense, and I feel like he's just randomly pushing buttons. There's zero acting, and it's just intense, intense, intense. And I, I just, I, I don't feel this character. I see Chris Hemsworth. I don't see this character. I, I don't even remember this character's name. All I see is Thor. I see Thor behind a computer without the flowing red cape and the Goldilocks, right? And, and here's the other thing. He gives this speech in the Korean restaurant about doing his time and not the prison's time. Oh, God. Yeah. First of all, that speech didn't make any damn sense. Second, it's the most unbelievable monologue I've heard in years. Like, he does not sell this whatsoever. His name was Nick, by the way. Nick Hathaway. Yeah, cool. It's Thor. Remember it. Thor. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and that speech is coming from a guy who saw a prison documentary on the Travel Channel versus somebody who's been in prison. So it's that is that is Chris Hemsworth's acting or Thor's acting summed up right there is that speech. That's what you get for the entire film. And and yeah, has, where where's his prison prison tattoos? I don't know. And he has this accent he's trying to pull off and it it He's trying to cover up that uh that Kiwi accent and he's not doing very good. I thought he was trying to do something Boston in the beginning, but then it kind of loses that and it goes into yeah. I mean it changes all over the place. Uh Lee Hong Wang because they were, he went to MIT, right? Didn't they all meet at MIT or something? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Roommates. So yes. he's out of the pick. He's terrible. Um, you got Lee Hong Wang. And so that's the college roommate. He has two performances, angry and confused. That Those are the only two things he gives off. And yes, I, I don't agreed. know. I don't know what he's doing in this film. I mean, I, I think he's terrible. He does become a crispy critter in this movie though. So. Yes, he does. Now, Tang Wei is okay. I, I think she's actually pretty good with the little she's given. The problem is the script doesn't give her anything to do. Uh, this well, is, yes, she has to fall in love with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, and she has range. Boo, boo Yeah, she has <laughs> range, but no good scenes to own it, right? Yeah, because even with the brother's death, you expect her to have something, but they move on so quickly. Yeah, it starts um, to come out, yeah. and then they edit and back to Thor, right? Yeah. Uh, and Viola Davis, she's the best thing in this because there's an interesting character in her because of her motivation from her loss in nine 11. And there's a spark of depth in that character. Now I haven't talked Which to they invoke nine 11 a few times in this movie. You're like, is that necessary? Like I get it. But then all of a sudden like hold ask, you're like, who'd you lose in nine 11? And you're like, why are we talking about nine 11 all of a sudden? Well, I, I think, I think it's important because when you talk about hacking and we, like the dangers of it today, it's, it's yeah. sparked from, and, and Michael Mann has a fascination with like overreaching government yes, um, or yes. authority, et cetera. And, and here's the thing. I mean, Holt, um, McCallany, I, I really like him in this film and I like his exchanges towards the end with Viola Davis, but I almost think he's kind of suffering with uh, Tang Wei. Like those are the two characters that I kind of thought were interesting, but they didn't give enough stuff to do. And so you still, you have Tang Wei and, and uh, uh, Holt who are kind of sitting on the sidelines and they're really good in, in what they get, but they don't get enough. And then anytime Viola Davis is there, she starts to chip away at this character. But again, it's, it's a little too little too late. 
Right. Yeah. And you can't put Viola Davis like Chris Hemsworth in the same scene too much because you're like, one of these people is really good and the other person is not. Yeah. And when you put them side by side, it becomes very obvious who, which one is which. And you know what? That may have that may have thrown Chris off. I mean, if if you if you're really just okay at acting, and, and here's the thing, I actually think Chris Hemsworth is a really good actor. Yeah. In ensemble. Like we said pieces. before, he's like really funny in a lot of stuff. He is. His, his comedy is, is fantastic, but he doesn't have an ensemble behind him in this. He's got to go toe to toe with Viola Davis. And, and it is like watching, I don't know, a freshman high school drama kid going up against an Academy award winner. And that's what you get on screen. I, I think the performances really sink this thing throughout the entire film. And it doesn't get better. And you have these little bright spots with these side characters, but then we go concentrate on Thor and it just, it just takes the life out of it. So that that's the first issue. The well, second, you haven't even gotten to like any of the bad guys. What? what I, yeah. They're, they're yeah, like the main bad guy is like almost non-existent in this. Movie. He isn't. Like, he, he, he's there for 10 minutes at the end to give a monologue. Yeah. It, but isn't, isn't the whole point of a movie like this to discover this bad guy and, like have him be somebody. And then I, I don't know, usually you work up to someone like being this big bad and then it pay, it has like a payoff at the end. This one really doesn't have much of a payoff. No. And I think, so that's a great transition to the other component. So if, if we say, okay, story and performances are super important for a hacker film and we get, and, and again, my opinion is performances non-existent. There, there's a little bit. I would say they're they're okay. I would say okay at best. Yeah, you're you're being very generous. Well, because you have some people who are like amazing actors. Viola Davis Viola is the Davis. only <laughs> amazing actor in this thing. But I she, think the Holt she, guy does pretty good. Holt is again. I I I like Holt and um, I like Tang Wei. They they don't give those two enough. Viola Davis gets a little bit more. And what she does with it is a plus, but it is not enough uh, for this film because they're not they're not central players in in my opinion. This this is really about the Chris Hemsworth character through and through. So I think the performances are DOA except for Viola Davis, and she's the one that is there with the defibrillator trying to get it going, and she never gets it going. <laughs> she's like, oh, well, let's call this thing dead at you know two hours. So. That, Ooh, that it was dead way before the two hour. Yeah, mark. it was five minutes into it. So the the next component. So performances. If that doesn't work, then you got story. And and to me, the story is you're going to catch the hacker using a hacker. That's the story. So there's like a billion movies out there about good guys using bad guys to catch other bad guys. That that's just a Hollywood trope, right? Oh yes, yes. So your story isn't new, and it and that's fine. But now it's all about the execution and can you add a few elements to at least make it unique or interesting. Here's what you get. Um, you you try to get some authentic hacker stuff in there. And that goes to your point about the terminology because that's the one thing I wrote here is will your average viewer, and I'm, I'm with you 100%, will they get lost with all this authentic terminology like rat, payload, black hat, all of that stuff, right? The 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 script relies heavily on those details, but they, they do feel like you're sitting through a corporate instructional video on hacking. Yes. I was, I was having uh, flashbacks of, you know, 
annual learning and all, and yes, all that stuff. I did too. My, like my annual learning. compliance Here we go. required learning. Here we go. Yep. Um, so, okay. That, that's not, I, I think it's a bit unnecessary or maybe it's not necessary, but it's certainly boring as hell. So to spice things up, you go, well, let's create a romantic subplot between Thor and the sister. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, why? Well, the reason is because, and it gives Thor an excuse to take his shirt off or something and lock lips. Cause we need that. We got, we got Thor in our movie. Yeah. But it, it, yep. it just, it doesn't, there's no emotional it's, I don't know. It's, it's void of emotional content between those two. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. If I'm a girl and I'm hanging around Chris Hemsworth all the time, I'm probably falling for you him, are, especially if you- but it's all superficial and that's what it feels like. There, yeah. There's not much connection. There's zero chemistry between the two. Um, and, the, and then here's the biggest thing, right? So you can't have them dramatically sitting in front of a computer banging on keys. So what do you do? And you touched on this. Well, let's insert some action. So the problem is the action doesn't propel the story whatsoever. It feels inserted. It feels like script writing 101. You have to have this many beats before you kind of get an action set. It's like that Joel Silver. The audience went 15 minutes. You got to blow something up. Mm-hmm. I feel like Michael Mann is like, what's the time limit on that? Okay, let's insert an action piece here. Like, there's no reason for it. Yeah, I need, I need to have a, a shootout in my movie. Come on. Yeah, case in point, shootout in the tunnels and loading docks. If you didn't have that, it wouldn't affect the story at all. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, another well, the one guy dies. That's the only kind of thing you you know from that. But even if he didn't die, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. It Nothing yeah. happens. Uh, another example, there's a brawl in the Korean restaurant where you get to see Thor's um, prison fighting skills. Take that away, and it doesn't matter. Outside of it gives her more of a reason to to like her hunky boy because she got yeah, to see him in action. Yeah, she's a bad right? boy now. Yeah, she's so, the but, but the action has little to no effect on the the story whatsoever take it away you you still have the same story like there's nothing dramatic there yeah they could have learned their identities in some other way besides them going to a restaurant yeah and it's funny when you say oh the car explosion surprised me i'm like as soon as that happened so i'm sitting there going oh thor and the sister out of the car the car's gonna explode because just a few scenes earlier, somebody puts it in. And so now you're waiting. I just thought that was a, a GPS device. I knew I was like, it oh, was a GPS. They were tracking him. And then it was, they yeah. shot a rocket launcher at him. Yeah. Um, so you get the sequence where everybody kind of dies. All these side supporting characters die and you're left with Thor and the sister. And again, it felt more like a plot device to sort of bring resolution to side characters that you weren't doing anything with anyways. And here's the other thing, all those people, yeah, I got them. Out. It literally just gets them out of the way. And you feel nothing like you, you go, Oh, well, thank goodness. I don't have to follow like seven people around them down to two. And it made it more simplistic. That that's the only thing it did. Uh, and, and so let's, you made a comment. And again, I think you're being too nice here, but you talk about the villain and sort of the whole, here's the what if of it. And so the, the, the main bad guy is going to shut the pumps down in Jakarta to mm-hmm. flood the tin mines and create a shortage. And it increases Ooh, I love some market manipulation. Yeah, yeah. It increases the value of his tin stock. So, okay, that seems plausible and it's a realistic evil plan. And in my head, I'm like, that's already happened. <laughs> I mean, it's probably happening right now as I'm watching this film. Yes. Somebody is doing something that shady, right? 
But I just read an article where people were scalping tickets to Spider-Man for $25,000. I'm like, what are we even doing now? Yeah, at this point, uh, okay. So, yeah. but when it's revealed and you find out and there's the big dramatic music and they're standing in front of this, I, I don't know, he talks about all oh, the villages are going to be underwater, et cetera. It doesn't have any weight. Like, I didn't care. I don't think the characters cared. I think they were just reading off a cue card to kind of go, well, here's the big reveal. Boom, on to the next thing. Like, to your point, we got to hurry up and go wait somewhere. So I don't know how that information or how that plan affects the characters. And I don't even understand the scope of what it all means to those two specifically. In my head, I was like, oh, yeah, real world stuff. Like, that stuff's happening all the time. And I don't know if I'm desensitized to it because I read the paper and understand how this stuff works. Or if there wasn't anything in the script to make me emotionally care for that scenario. And I think it's the latter. The script is just empty of me being able to connect to anything in this film. There is, and I'll, there is one good story element in here. And there's one really good sequence. And that's when they go back inside the nuclear facility after the meltdown. And they only have eight minutes to extract data. That was a cool concept. And for like five to six minutes, the movie was actually thrilling. And then they throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. There's some tension. That's the only tense moment because visually it was interesting. You knew everybody's life is on the line. There was a specific time period. They had to get in, get out. Some, you you expected Chris Hemsworth to be in danger there. Uh, I, well, no, no, but everybody else around him was falling off like flies or some guy was, So they're representing like the real danger and then it sort of accentuates the need for him to get into that um, server station. But that sequence worked for me because it, it actually felt like a Mac, uh, just a Michael Mann film, but it's, it's really like, let's say eight minutes within a 213 minute film that there was actually good storytelling going on. Two hour and 13 minutes, two hour and 13 minutes. Yeah. So it might feel like two, (laughs) 213 minutes long, but it's not that long. Yeah. Uh, if it felt like it. Um, but so no. let me ask you a question. Yeah. What did you think of the digital photography in this movie? I'm glad you asked that question because that brings up. Okay. So in my head, performances don't work. Story don't work. So you got visuals. So yeah. you got Michael, and Michael Mann. Mann is known to be a visual director. Let's yep. see them visuals. Yeah. So man runs around with uh, handheld digital cameras. It just uh, puts it in everyone's face. Yep. It's not interesting. It's not really thrilling. Man yeah. stages a shootout. Technically, it's a shootout. It's not interesting or thrilling, especially if you've seen heat. Uh, going back into the nuclear facility, that was eerie. That sequence and how it was shot was impressive. But, I mean, you nailed it when you when you talked about the um, traveling inside a computer Right. So that's how you kind of open up. So this sequence kind of signals that the movie is going to be cold, calculating, visually bland. There's nothing thrilling about watching CGI of a computer, even at a microscopic level. Yeah, and like here, watch me do these uh, calculations inside this computer. You're like, oh, boy. Yeah, I don't want to. It's boring. Am I going to get to see a bunch <laughs> of Ethernet cords in this movie? You sure are. Yeah. And, and so visually, I... If you had told me John Smith had directed this film, I would have believed you. I I just don't. This doesn't feel like a Michael Mann film at all. No, I mean, there are some shots like in the car and stuff that feel very sort of 
bred out of collateral, but I just find like the camera would just seems like it was always on close up on everyone. And you're like, can I get an idea of where we are in this room without it just being like right up in Chris Hemsworth's face or like when someone's driving, it's like, I can see up their nose. I don't need to be this close. Um, it just was very fanatic and like we're running around, uh, especially during the shootout at the docks. And like, I, I think it works there a little bit, but I, I just miss that uh, film. I miss the film part of it. Cause he does cityscape so well. Like think about like when he does it in heat and in collateral, even like LA, like is like a character in those movies. Oh, and he does like, those cityscapes so well. Um, we were talking about Michael Cimino and how he filmed mm-hmm. the, you know, Western so well. Michael Mann is like the guy who does that inside an urban, you know, an urban country essentially. And this, you don't get any of that stuff. And we're in some interesting places, but we're not getting any sort of feel of the city and the surroundings in the setting at all. And it's really disappointing. It doesn't feel like a Michael Mann film. It feels like everything that I did not like about uh, <laughs> public enemies is just like, like, Hey, we're just going to do it again, but now bigger and more. And you're like, well, I don't want any of that stuff. I, I agree. I feel like uh, Miami vice, there was a lot of stuff in there. I, I liked it visually. And I think you're spot on. Michael Mann can paint an urban landscape on film. It, it's fantastic. He gets some amazing shots. Miami Vice, it's there. Public Enemies, it's kind of there. It's not really there. And then Black Hat, he's totally lost it. Like he he just lost his superpowers starting with Miami Vice, and it just it went downhill. Yeah, uh, yeah. It has been diminishing returns on Michael Mann since I think it was the cracks were starting to show in Miami Vice. I like Miami Vice, but it's they were starting to show. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think I think this is where you get a very empty and lifeless film visually. Mm-hmm. Now I'll, I'll say this, even that uh, with shaky cam and stuff like that and the way action goes, it's always really hard to see, but he, at least with those close up shots and with the editing, you could still make out what's going on. It's not like born ultimatum terrible or the born yeah, identity terrible. Yeah. I mean the, the, the restaurant fight, almost gets there to where it's a little borny almost, but it's, it's a way it's a little bit more medium range than close up range to where you can still make out some of this stuff. Yeah. There are some quick cuts a little bit here and there, but I think cause Chris Winsworth moves pretty well because you know, he's played Thor so much that he he knows how to move in an action scene that that probably helps. Yeah. Um, No, I agree. It's, it's, it's just, it's missing the Michael Mann visual punch yeah it the there are some i again when the action kind of gets a little fanatical and you have to move a little bit it is nice to hey we're going to run along with these people and it'll be a little shaky fine but i i just miss that here now we're going to be on 35 and it's going to be this nice you know wide shot or whatever we just never get that um yeah i, I just i know how michael man i i I'm not going to say that Michael Mann just seems like someone who gets obsessive about things. Right. Yeah. And now, and then this, it was like digital, digital, digital. It has to be digital. We have to be in on these people. We have to be all this stuff. And it's just like, 
that's not what I want. Obviously, you're the director. You do what you want, but I just it's just not for me. I agree. I mean, I I you know, techno thrillers aren't thrilling if you base an entire movie on the technology. And so we know Michael Mann has a fascination with detail, et cetera. Um, but I don't know. This, this is such a tough subject. I think people are computer savvy to know about hacking. So it's not exactly new or exciting like it might have been when war games came out, right? Yeah. And you just can't fake it as much anymore, right? No, you like, can't. Yeah. Somebody just can't, like, oh, I'm just going to hit a few buttons here and then I'm going to, like, break open Facebook. Like, no, you, that's not, you can't do that. Like, you yeah. need something. And well, you, yeah, you need we it. hear about hacking stuff all the time that we kind of know just through osmosis how this stuff works. Right. And, and you need a human story to provide the drama and thrills. And you, you can't rely on sort of the wowness of technology. You can tell in this film, he hired a lot of technical people to get the computer stuff and the shootout sequences down to perfection. I mean, it, it's but from, not enough people for the story. Yeah. They just forgot to build an interesting story around those details. And, and what's funny is I'm so glad I watched the insider this weekend because man has taken pedestrian concepts and has created some impressive dramatic work. And the insider is a great example. It's smoking. It, it is big, big when, tobacco. Yeah. When you think about it, you go, well, okay. The insider, the premise is, you know, cigarettes are bad for you and American corporations are corrupt. And mm -hmm. you go, well, that's common knowledge. <laughs> I mean, duh. Right. Yep. But yep. you get to see how this plays out with Al Pacino's character or Russell Crowe's character and that is fascinating. And you get fully developed characters with consequences that you feel as a viewer. And that film has some great, and I mean great performances. It has a top-notch script. And the visuals are okay. There's some interesting sequences that they do. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said, I think he does still a good job in that film of painting a, an urban landscape. But it, it really comes down to it's a pedestrian concept. It's it's there's not a wow factor to the insider. It's kind of like, yeah, we kind of know this stuff. Right. But in him telling that story and making the story have a very deep human connection and then also having those performances convey that story in such a way that you feel it. The insider is like one of the best movies that has come out in a long time. And it's based on something that on paper shouldn't be that thrilling. And to me, yeah. it's like, well, he he should have been able to pull that off. If anybody could have pulled it off with hacking, Michael Mann should have done it. But, um, man, I mean, his his direction is flat. Hemsworth's performance is flat. The script is flat. I mean, everything about this film is flat. And I thought a staple of Michael Mann films was, like, the good guy and the bad guy. You know, like, you have De Niro, Pacino. Like, that was a big deal. Um, you yeah. know, like, the bad guy and the good guy are, like, the focal points of his movies. He misses on both of them in this. Like we don't care about the good guy and the bad guy is almost non-existent. It's just shocking how, I mean, and I'm not saying that all of his films have to fit in like the Michael Mann tropes, but well, what he does. It, it is, or at least. it's not like the, the bad guy isn't in this movie. So why don't we know anything about, or why isn't he a character in this movie? I guess is my question. I don't know. I, he just, he's there and he's gone and it's so, uh, well in the real world, it would be just like that. And I get it. 
it's it's probably some guy sits in his basement and goes, well, I bought a lot of tin stock and now I'm going to flood the place, the tin mines, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, that's that's how it would play out in the real world. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily make it an, that interesting an interesting film. Movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I just, no, I, I, I think you and I are are tackling the same issues that we have with this film. You're way more forgiving than I am. But and I, I think that's just because it's Michael Mann, to be honest with you. Well, but I think that's why I'm less forgiving is because it's Michael Mann. Be- yeah, exactly. You could you could give someone a break because they're one of your favorite directors, or you could hold them to a higher standard because they're one of your. Yeah, I I just look at his filmography and I look at so many movies that I love that he's created, and all of the ingredients are here, and from a concept perspective, but I have not seen a fumble this bad on story and performances and uh, cinematography and direction like this in a long time. I mean, this is just like watching vanilla ice cream. It, it there's nothing to it. It's just vanilla. There's there's it's nothing still ice going cream, on. Though. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't want to watch vanilla ice cream. There's nothing visually yeah. impressive nor does it draw me in and make me care about vanilla ice cream. I I don't know. There's there's nothing to this. Yeah, I agree. I agree sadly. Okay. I think this, uh, you can ask me cause then I'll, I'll follow up with my next statement. Okay. Well, Hey, is, uh, 2015's black hat a bomb? Yes. Sadly. It is a bomb. It is my least favorite Michael Mann film. Okay. I, I had a feeling when I heard about this movie and one of the reasons I put it off is because I was like, I really don't want to see that movie. I don't. I've seen this movie before. It never works. And sadly, Michael, not even Michael Mann can do it. So I think we might need to not, the techno thriller might need to just go away because it's just not interesting. Well, so if, if you had to watch The Keep or Black Hat, which one would you watch? Well, I haven't seen The Keep in a long time, so probably The Keep. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think I've seen The Keep in the last year. And oh, I'm, I, I, I agree with your statement 100%. It's a bomb. Uh, it may be my least favorite of his films. I think there's some stuff in the keep visually. That's kind of mm-hmm. impressive. Yes. Yes. Especially the golem. The design of the golem mm-hmm. is fantastic in that. But um, I- I'll say this. I probably feel the length of the keep more than I feel the length of black hat. Uh, and you know, it's, it's probably Viola Davis and, and some of the bright spots in this that keep you going. But I, I mean, I got to tell you, I just, I don't know. I, I, I felt disappointed after. If I hadn't watched The Insider, I might have kind of turned on Michael Mann a little bit and ooh. went, "Ooh, I don't know if he's as good as everybody thinks he is." But that's, after watching The impossible. Insider, I'm Come like, on. "Okay, he's got some clunkers in here." But man, the majority of his filmography is top notch. It's like his first like seven films are. I mean, a lot of them are just amazing. I need, I need to go back and watch that crime story TV series. Everybody raves yeah. about it. I need, I need yep. to finally just, you know, dip my toes in it, man. Well, that man, that up. was a bummer. I know if you think about it, there was, uh, I mean, if, if this ends up being a bomb, which it was, and we're looking this at, this is the, our only one. This is our only one. Oh, no, no Ishtar. The, well, you didn't like the postman either. Oh yeah, and Postman. Yeah, so yeah, so literally Heaven's Gate was like the one that was like, oh, Heaven's Gate actually, was the only say, one that we uh, said wasn't a bomb, but the Postman, Ishtar, and this one are all bombs. Yeah, I, I will say 
the whole month was worth it for Heaven's Gate. I, I, I think Heaven's Gate is a brilliant film. I am still think I still think about Heaven's Gate right now. I like, I thought about it this morning. I'm glad we watched. So I'm glad we watched The Postman. I think I liked it yeah. a little bit more than you, but I, I would still agree it's a bomb. Ishtar, I never want to see again, especially those. Mm-hmm. And first I never fi- want to talk about Ishtar minutes. again. Yeah. Black Hat, uh, I I I don't think it's. See, Postman is more marginally a bomb. Ishtar's a bomb. This one's a bomb. Heaven's Gate's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. No, Heaven's was, Gate is. I am still kind of shocked how much I liked Heaven's Gate, and it does. How much I still kind of it kind of resonates with me. I'm like, how? Oh, what? What is this movie? I, I don't know. Yeah. I thought about it this morning. I was just drinking coffee, and I was like, man, Heaven's Gate was really good. <laughs> it is. It's just. Uh, that's a gem, man. You're right. I mean, I, I had so much fun this month tackling these films. Uh, maybe watching them wasn't as much fun as doing the research, especially when it came to Ishtar. Uh, I, I really kind of enjoyed watching Black Hat just to try and understand what it was that was sort of missing. And um, I, I, as soon as the movie was over, it became very clear, like, okay, you can't make a hacker film interesting unless you get these elements right. And then when you start kind of putting your notes together, you're like, Oh yeah, for me, it was a big miss. Because yeah, at the end of the end of the day, it's people on a computer. It is typing furiously to stop spam <laughs> fishing. Yeah. And, and don't click on email on attachments in your emails. People, if you, if you learned anything tonight, so if you get an email from someone and it says you need to do something, here's a PDF. Don't click on that PDF. I'll, I'll even take it a step further. So if you get a lot of emails and they're coming into your primary and it, at the bottom, it says unsubscribe, don't click unsubscribe. What happens is they, you've now acknowledged that that's a live email and you're acting, yes. you're interacting with that account. So what they end up doing is they unsubscribe you from that list, but because you've activated that email and clicked on it, while you're being unsubscribed for one list, they're adding you to three or four other lists. Three or four hundred other lists. Yes. So, yeah, yes. that's probably more accurate. So if you need to unsubscribe from an email, go directly to the website and you can unsubscribe from Walmart or any of your retailers. or something. They, they have that process right there. Go directly to the website. Never, ever unsubscribe from an email link. So you're, you're being taken off of one list and you're being put on another. It's it's little hacking thing that goes on corporate hacking thing that goes on behind the, uh, behind the scenes. So we, you've learned something. If you've learned yes. black hats, a bomb and don't click on shit that you don't know what it is. There you go. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah. There you go. Um, and when in doubt, call somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Brad, what's next week's theme? We got another theme month yeah. coming up, right? We do. So we are going to tackle a genre of film that we, I don't know if we've done many films at all that have been Hamlet two is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, it is a comedy genre and it is uh, more specifically films that are kind of produced or made by the guys of the comedy group, uh, music group. Uh, I don't know. Um, the lonely Island people. Um, they did, um, movies and are still doing movies, um, but we're doing four to be exact. We're starting off with Brigsby Bear, 
Yes. Um, and then we were doing Hot Rod. And then we were following up that one with Pop Star, Never Stop Stopping. And then we were ending with MacGruber. So I am very excited because we are doing comedy films, which I think might be a little bit hard to uh, discuss because it's like, hey, remember that part? That was really funny. But we'll do, I promise we'll do a better job than that. So I'm very excited. We, we don't do many comedies. Um, the comedies are notorious bombs. I mean, it's very subjective. So it, it is. I, I think what's funny is we had all of these films, at different parts of the list because people would recommend these. Uh, the one I picked Brigsby bear came from a recommendation of our good friend, Randy, who not only recommended it, but said it's on sale. And yeah, if you don't buy it, I will buy it for you guys. So we bought it. And then when we started putting a list together, I think it was you, Brad, who were like, Hey, I, I think these are all directed from the same and we added one more and we're like, you're, you're right. We we've got four movies coming from sort of the same creative source. And I, I yep. know nothing behind the scenes about these other than I've seen some of these, um, a few of these I haven't seen. So I'm excited, but, uh, these are, these you are ready all to put recommendations your dick in a box. No, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> uh, have you heard, you've heard that song, right? I, I have, but I'm okay. not going to go around and do that. That's oh. even, even though it's Christmas, I'm still not doing that. <laughs> So I, I feel you, bad. I feel bad because like you, I, you cut a hole in the box, Troy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then know. you put your dick in the box. I got it. <laughs> yes. Still not doing it. It sounds unsanitary. I don't. I don't want to yeah. do it. Um, okay. But no, I most of the podcasts I know, I'm listening to are all doing like holiday theme, which is great. It's getting me in the mood for Christmas. <laughs> I just feel like we don't. Not that we're not um, in the Christmas spirit. I I don't know, Brad. Why Why are we not doing Christmas movies? Should we do that some year? Maybe, maybe. I just never find Christmas movies that interesting to talk about outside of maybe it's own wonderful life. Yeah. I, 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 I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Holiday films don't, well, I say that I watched eight bit Christmas the other day and the last 15 minutes I cried like a baby. I dude, I have never cried at movies like ever in the last two films I've seen Ghostbuster aftermath and eight bit Christmas, the last 20 minutes of both of those movies, I cried like a baby. So oh, dude, they I don't were, know they if were, I'm just becoming more emotional as yeah. I get older, but boy, I cried yeah, so they, much. They were chopping onions, uh, in my theater when I saw afterlife, it was bad. Like I couldn't see that's how, that's how bad the onions were in that auditorium. Now my, my, I took my son, Max, and he asked me if I was okay. And I was like, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. I need Kleenex. Don't look at me. <laughs> Uh, we did get some feedback that we wanted oh, to yes. share. You want to you want to read that real quick? Yes. Let me uh, pull up this fine email here. It is from our good friend Chris Evans. Speaking of which, he's our favorite Chris. Yes. Unfortunately, this is not that Chris Evans. Well, you don't know that. You don't yes, know that, dude. Okay. If it was, um, so it is titled "Prestige Bombs." It says, "Hey, Bomb Squad, Chris here again." Uh, first, Brad, you crushed my Pulp Fiction quiz. A, amazing. Thank you. Agree. A hundred. I'm still just in awe of that. Um, I wanted to tell you how engrossing Heaven's Gate podcast was to listen to, and how much I and I learned so much. So, hey, look, Heaven's Gate was a we a revelation a lot, just, to both of us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Anyway, I, I know you guys like themes for your picks, so I thought I would throw the idea of prestige bombs. You have to do Shawshank Redemption as it's considered one of the greatest films of all time, but was also a bomb. And I confirmed that. It it was 
technically a bomb at the box office. Oh, okay. Um, and then additionally, you could discuss the master annihilation and the assassination of Jesse James. All great uh, thanks picks. for the awesome episodes of the podcast. I have told my friends all about your show. Well, thank you, Chris. Awesome. Yeah. And then it says, does this submission look like spam reported here? It is not spam. Yeah. No, Chris Evans does uh, anyway, not send us spam. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that idea um, of doing kind of the like higher rated films that just happen to, to bomb. So um, I love that idea. I think we need to get top hats and a monocle and uh, go to town on we, some we prestigious. We did a podcast called the pretension at some point in time. Yeah, let's so bring it back, we, man. Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. Let's throw citizen Kane in there while we're at it. We talked about you and I talked about that today. And I think we could do citizen Kane because it is one of my favorite movies of all time, but we would have to like not really discuss the film as much. <laughs> oh, we're discussing like it. What yeah. happens? We are. Um, yeah. So, um, and I, I do want to do a quick shout out to uh, Matt. He had messaged us too and said that he was enjoying um, the podcast. He was currently listening to the Halloween three special, the episode we did on that. And he's going back through the catalog for the films that we did. He also let us know that he's part of the mixtape podcast. So it's uh, what, what I love about this is we find, I don't know, new listeners and start engaging with people. And then when we find out that they have a podcast that they're doing or participating in, um, I will go back and, and start downloading a lot of episodes and uh, see if we can't um, share some ideas and thoughts. But Matt, thanks for reaching out to us. I'm happy you're enjoying Halloween three, go back and listen to heaven's gate, get to that one quickly. Uh, that's one of at least my favorite ones we've done here recently. But uh, thank you, everybody, for just engaging with us on social media. We've had a lot of, um, I don't know, Thanksgiving just seemed to bring a lot of great comments and um, appreciation from a lot of listeners. And I I was kind of taken aback. So uh, I really appreciate everybody sending all the fantastic, um, I don't know, Thanksgiving wishes and uh, telling us how much they like the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, for as little as we like don't promote ourselves, it's nice that you know, other people are doing it for us. So, uh, it's very nice. Yeah. I feel bad. I mean, we don't, we're terrible at social media. We, we post a couple times per week, but we, we are te- terrible at self-promotion. So those who are leaving us reviews and, you know, talking about us and everything else, thank you so much. Um, Zach and Zoe, get your butts back to, uh, the podcast. You, your vacation's over. Um, so yeah, we, we, exactly. we need to hear some more episodes from the backlook, uh, cinema. Uh, you know why I want to talk about Shawshank, right? Huh? Why? You know what? Because it was released the same year as Pulp Fiction. Oh, boy. It's a, it's a bad, it's a, you know, whatever. All right. But hey, Forrest Gump was the best film that year. Whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah. Life is like a box of chocolates, Brad. Come on. Poor Andy. <laughs> well, listen, um, if people want to reach out to us, how do they do that, Brad? How do they uh, give us some more recommendations? Because we're, I'm telling you, I'm so excited about next month, but I'm really excited about 2022 because we have some amazing yeah, recommendations. Someone just picked out our whole month for us. I know. For that's one month, awesome. Thank you, Chris. We're, we're doing a bunch of themes and mm-hmm. yeah, um, that is not a bomb pod at gmail.com. Also, if you just go to uh, not a bomb podcast.com and hit the contact us button, um, you can submit a question there. That's probably the easiest way because um, yeah. there's a little form you can fill out. Um, you can get it. Also, you can um, interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and 
That's about it. Yeah, we're around. We have 77 episodes plus wow. 10 episodes of Cowboy Bebop. So we're coming in at almost doing 100 episodes at some point in time. So that's nuts. Look at us. Yeah. We're, and we're getting back to Cowboy Bebop. We've had so, this I mean, week. We, we are dedicated to getting this uh, part of the show out every week. And then Cowboy Bebop is when we can get to it. Yeah, it's the cherry on top. It is so. the cherry on top. And uh, hey, folks, if, if you can like maybe leave us a review on iTunes, that's awesome. But you know what's even more cool? Send us a note and just say hi. We love interacting. Share your mm-hmm. favorite movie bombs. And hey, if uh, Brad and I get something wrong, we would love to hear about it and hear your Impossible, take or your opinion. Troy. Impossible. Well, We've had 77 episodes. We've been right every single time. Well, I have been right it. every single time. I don't know about you. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what else, man? Are we forgetting anything? Go listen to VHS Files podcast, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Night Living podcast, The Backlook Cinema podcast, The Iron Sequel. You can catch an episode we did over there. Yeah, episode 30, we were on there to do um, The Chronicles of Riddick. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That movie exists. It <laughs> does. Um, what else? What are, what are we missing? I feel like we're kind of done. Yeah, we are done. All right. Well, hey, Good folks. Job. I don't know if you are listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thank you for downloading the episode. Please join us next month when we're not doing anything Christmassy, and we're but yeah, but we're doing comedies, so that'll yeah, get you in the spirit, right? Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be fun. We're gonna we're gonna crack ourselves up with a bunch of dad jokes. Brigsby Bear isn't. I don't. I have no idea what Brigsby Bear is. I'm so excited about that because I have no idea what we're walking into. Outside of Randy spoke so highly of that, we had to put it on the show. So. Uh, Yeah, come join us next week for Brigsby Bear. It's going to be a blast. And as always, thank you for listening. Goodbye.